When a young woman wakes up in the middle of the night to a strange visitor standing over her bed, she has to ask herself, is it a burglar, a ghost, or something even far more bizarre? And then we take a look at the future of AI technology. We've talked about it a lot on this show, and it just keeps getting weirder. Is it possible by unleashing artificial intelligence across the internet to create everything from speeches to artwork, we're actually opening a portal to hell today on Dead Rabbit Radio? Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Gardner. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys are having tons of fun. We got a lot of stuff to cover, so we're going to get started right away. First off, walking into Dead Rabbit Command is longtime supporter of the show and probably the person who's bought me the most books in my life. I think you bought me more books than my mom at this point. Everyone, welcome walking into Dead Rabbit Command. That's kind of mean. My mom actually bought me a lot of books. He hasn't bought me that many. That kind of sounds like I was snubbing my mom. Walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now. Everyone give it up for Greg Gorley. Woohoo! Yeah, walk on in. Walk on in. Pushing that book cart. Pushing on in, Greg Gorley. Greg recently sent me a bunch of books, and this is one of the most recent ones. Fantasyland. How America Went Haywire by Kurt Anderson. And basically, it's a look at the myths, the conspiracy theories, the magical thinkers that have made up America's history. So I'm really looking forward to this one. Thank you so much, Greg, for sending it over. You're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. You guys can't send me books. You guys can't send me more books than my dear old mom who did buy me a bunch of books. That's fine, too. If you guys can't support the show financially, I don't care. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. I guess I shouldn't say I don't care because I do care. The people who do support the show financially, they help pay my rent and help me buy groceries. So, But I, what I'm saying is I appreciate all of it. And if you can't do it, that's fine. That, that really is. Greg, let's go ahead and toss the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dune Buggy. We are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. Drive us all the way out to... A suburban neighborhood. Bing, 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 Driving over the sandy dunes between here and there. I found a story posted online. It's one of those stories we don't have an exact location for. We don't have real names. We're going to go ahead and call this person, this young woman, we're going to call her Joan. Online, she goes by the handle Illustrator Pretend 91. But she said about five or six years ago, so let's date the story back in 2018. Joan, she was living with her mother. And Joan was asleep in her bedroom. And she is woken with a jolt. It's one of those... I don't know if she, she was actually breathing heavy. She was having an anxiety attack. But no, it's one of those, like, sometimes you slowly wake up. This was, I'm awake. She was woken with a jolt. And then... In the darkness of her room, she sees someone standing there. She said it was a man who had his back to her, and he was wearing a flannel shirt. And she said, I honestly could perfectly describe to you the flannel pattern. This shirt, but for whatever reason, had like 
basically left a scar across her memory. She woke up and she saw this. I guess that would be pretty memorable, right? Waking up, there's a stranger in your room. She wakes up, there's a man in a flannel shirt facing away from her. She goes, I could describe the flannel shirt perfectly, but I'd never seen it before. This wasn't anyone that I knew, unless they just happened to buy a new flannel shirt that night and broke into my uh, bedroom. My friends aren't known to do that either. She goes, I'd never seen the flannel shirt before, but I could describe it perfectly. Joan is in shock. Like, she wakes up, she sees this man standing in her room, and... She doesn't really understand why she did this either. Probably, you know, being in shock. She actually reached out towards the man. Not with a baseball bat. Not with ninja throwing stars. She reached out to touch him and he instantly vanished. So let's stop right here. That's not the end of the story, but I want to discuss this. There has been recent talk. And when I say recent, I really am talking like since 2018, 2019. Of a phenomenon known as the flannel man. <laughs> as the flannel man. And I came across it when I first started. I'd never heard of it before. I came across it on early, early episodes of Dead Rabbit Radio. I remember the only source I could find was a podcast that had one or two mentions of the flannel man. A couple of you guys recommended me covering the flannel man. Basically, the you're like, Jason, what's the flannel man? Basically, the flannel man is the shadow man's hipster cousin. So he's like, I'm not like the rest of you guys. I'm not like the rest of you nine-foot-tall interdimensional entities. I have fashion sense. So he wears a flannel shirt. That that's it, it seemed to kind of fall in that vein. I've looked a little bit since then, and I looked a little bit in preparation to the story. And that's still... There's a big post on Reddit about the flannel man. And um, yeah, yeah. So the flannel man, the first time I ever heard about it, the first time most people ever heard about it was on the Strange Familiars podcast. The flannel man. I wanted to address that. But this goes beyond that. This goes beyond just a man in a flannel shirt appearing out of the void. Which you're like, Jason, why don't you? That sounds absolutely fascinating. It does, but, I mean, like, that's it. It's basically just, like, it's basically just an interdimensional entity in a flannel shirt. I love that I've been, it's so, it's not the podcast that's made me blase about a bunch of otherworldly stuff. It's just when you research stuff for 30 years, yeah, the flannel, like, maybe if the flannel man, like, cursed people, now you can wear nothing but flannel. You're like, no, I have a wedding tomorrow, ah! Like, I, I, it needs to be a little more juicy for me. That's my thing. If I saw the flannel man, it'd be... Like, this story. If this story was just the girl woke up... If this was just the girl woke up and there was a strange phantom wearing flannel in her bedroom, I honestly wouldn't have covered it. Not because I don't think she's telling the truth. Not because I don't think the, flan- the flannel man exists. He might. Right? It probably... Enough people... Enough different people have reported on it, but... It's like, I, I want something else. I want that, <laughs> that pizzazz factor when it comes to the world of the paranormal. Flannel Man, though, I did want to address that there is a phenomenon known as that. But this is not... Well, I mean, it could be related. But that wouldn't be enough for me. I need something a little more spicy in my paranormal stew. A week later, Joan is once again woken up with a jolt. She is brought out of the deepest sleep to, bam, reality in a heartbeat. 
in the same location where the flannel man was standing just a week ago. She hadn't seen anything in the meantime. She woke up the first night, flannel man, standing there, just being kind of lame, just standing there, wasn't killing anyone, wasn't possessing anyone. She wakes up, flannel man standing in her bedroom. A week later, in the same location where the flannel man was, now there was a tripod with a video camera on it, recording her while she was sleeping. And she knows it's recording her because that little red light is shining in the darkness. That little red light that indicates that it is recording. So she thinks she's hallucinating. She thinks this isn't real, which I think would be a fair assumption. (laughs) You would hope it wasn't real, right? If you woke up in the middle of the night and you realized someone was videotaping you, you'd be like, oh man, I, I hope... I hope it was all that old cheese I ate. She begins rubbing her eyes. She must just be seeing things wrong. She rubs her eyes. She still sees the camera. She then slaps herself. Slaps herself, you know, feel that sensation to wake her up. Slap some sense into herself. The camera is still there. She then talks out loud. She's basically testing her senses. It's very interesting. I don't know if she has like a checklist that she normally does every morning she wakes up. But you think about it, right? She's testing the sense of sight, hearing, touch when she slaps herself. The camera is still there. Sitting on the tripod, recording her in the middle of the night. Joan then reaches over and turns on a lamp. And the camcorder disappears. Joan says, since, I don't know if she's still doing it today. It might just be while she was living with her mom. But she said, after those nights, she now does not sleep in the dark. She sleeps with a light on, and that has never happened again. Now the flannel man's cool. Now the flannel man is into some dead rabbit radio stuff. I'm not talk trash talking strange familiars or any other podcast that's covered the flannel man. I just want a little bit more. I'm not trash-talking them. Don't send your strange familiars to come get me. Or maybe, maybe do it, and it'll be more content for both of our podcasts. What in the world was this? I cannot think. I could be wrong, right? I've been studying this stuff for 30 years. We've put out over a 1,000 episodes. I cannot think of a time when a ghost has manifested technology And I'm not even fully convinced this is a ghost. What's super interesting to me is when I first read this, and this is kind of the direction I'm still going in, we can say flannel man, interdimensional entity. We can say ghost because of the fact that it's appearing or disappearing. We could probably go alien. What I thought when I read this story, she, when she wrote this up, she titled it, Has Anyone Experienced Something Similar Before? I titled it in my notes, Truman Show Ghost. Because that's what it feels like. It feels like she somehow saw not the back rooms, but the backstage. 
Like, I, I mean, like, we could really go, like, eight dimensions with this thing. That what she saw, the guy in the flannel shirt was just a guy working on the set of the newest show, Planet Earth. Or maybe it's a spinoff, Joan's Bedroom. I don't know. Maybe it's a teenage drama. Who knows? I mean, like, that's what I thought. The video camera recording in the darkness, I can't think. And I could be wrong. Someone could probably send me an email. Something else we've covered on the show or something I've never heard of. I, I love getting stuff I've never heard of. But I can't think of another time that a ghost has manifested. Technology, sure, we can have, like, ghost motorcycles, ghost cars chasing people down the road. That is a phenomenon that's reported all over the world. But a ghost camcorder? I mean, I guess if you can manifest a Studebaker, you would have trouble manifesting a Betamax, but... You know what I mean? The fact that it was in, it, that it was recording. Who was watching it? Who was recording it? Why? Like, to me, it was like a guy was on the set. She woke up in the middle of the night and the guy had his back to her because he, he's just like some stagehand, dude. <laughs> you know how that's how Hollywood works? They're not allowed to look at the actors. They all have to face against the wall once the director says action. I mean, I feel like she almost looked through reality and saw that everything was a television show. To me, that's actually the most logical reason. The other option is Flannel Man is a huge pervert. Dude, wouldn't that be creepy, actually? I just thought of that. What if ghosts... <laughs> Stay with me for a second, guys. Stay with me. What if ghosts are filming human porn to sell to demons. Demons can't get enough of it. And the ghosts are like, well, you know, I'm damned to walk the earth for a hundred years, so I might as well make some money. I'm tired of manifesting only pennies. I want that money I can fold up. So they are videotaping humans, selling it to those pervert demons down in hell. I don't know. I mean, I'm not even going to say that's a legit conspiracy theory. That just popped in my head. That's the type of stuff that pops in my head. And admit it, that's the type of stuff that pops in your head, too. But to me, that's what it feels like. It could be a ghost. It could be interdimensional. Even aliens. I don't think they're normally... I'm trying to think of... Uh, the aliens... When sto We've come across stories with aliens recording humans. The devices are not human devices. It's always like a device that looked like a box that was recording the event or he hit a, a box he hit like a circle on a box and it had a holographic display i've never seen a gray alien carting around a vhs camcorder in a story fascinating though what was this i mean obviously could it all have been a dream right she's waking up in the middle of the night but you know it's a paranormal podcast so ghost ghost perverts selling porn to even more perverted demons a flannel man is Flannel Man would actually make sense because he's so hipster he would want to use a camcorder. She didn't specify, for all I know, it was a red camera that this Flannel Man stole from the set of Avatar 2. She didn't actually say what type of camera was used, but I just keep imagining that old camcorder I got for my graduation present that my uncle stole from me and sold for crank jerk. Anyways, yeah, that's what I picture. <laughs> that's what I picture when my uncle, that's a true story. He stole my camcorder and sold it to buy crank. And uh, maybe a ghost got it. Maybe it's being maybe it's being put to good use, filming young women while they're sleeping for some interdimensional television show. Who knows? 
a fascinating story. Like what that's a fair title for it, not mine, hers. Has anyone experienced something similar before? And again, this is why I think a lot of paranormal stories don't get reported because what is this? Do you report this to a ghost researcher? Do you report this to a UFO researcher? Do you report this to who? Like it's it is so bizarre. And that's why I love it. Greg, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the world-famous carbon helicopter. We are leaving behind Joan. Fly us all the way out to New York. Specifically, we're headed to Hampton, New York. I always thought it was plural, the Hamptons. But either Hampton or the Hamptons, we're headed there. It's January 2023, and we're walking into the Jewish center of the Hamptons. And we're there just in time to hear Rabbi Josh Franklin deliver a sermon. And I've never, I've never been in a synagogue. I don't know what the layout is. I only have like a brief memory of that episode of Frasier, where Frasier was tricked into speaking Klingon. He thought he was speaking Hebrew, but he was actually speaking Klingon. Anyways... I imagine a pulpit. I imagine Fraser Crane standing off to the side. And you have this rabbi, Josh Franklin. He gets up in front of his congregation. And like he's done so many times before, he's doing the sermon. He's talking to his congregation. And then at the ending, he asks an unusual question. He goes, so you guys like the sermon, but who do you think wrote this sermon? And everyone's like, well, well. I mean, we would assume it was you, but if you're asking that question, then obviously it's not. So the congregation, they, I don't know if they actually held a vote. I don't know if it was just a murmur among the crowd. But basically, the congregation decides that it must have been the other rabbi at the Jewish center of the Hamptons, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. He must have written this. And Rabbi Franklin goes, no, you are wrong. You are all wrong. <laughs> you are all cast out of the synagogue. Go find somewhere else. He goes, no, you guys are wrong. I didn't write it. Rabbi Sachs didn't write it. This was written by Chat GPT. <laughs> I was like, what's that? He goes, it's an AI program. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, the AI program. He goes, I actually asked an artificial intelligence, basically a browser app on the internet to write a sermon for me based on these tenets of the Torah, Judaic beliefs. And it did. It wrote this pretty good, pretty good sermon, right? And it's interesting because he gave this sermon and then he goes, but don't leave just yet. I have more. I have more to talk about. He said, right now there's a big thing in society about AI taking over jobs. This is so interesting. He goes, right now there's a thing about AI taking over jobs, but I don't think it'll ever take over my job which is what everyone's saying, right? I don't think it'll take over my job because the job of a rabbi is safe. He said the AI lacks soul. It has no soul, which is needed for a spiritual leader. A good sermon, for sure. Yeah, it's written very well. But it's just words on paper. It has no soul, therefore it cannot be a spiritual leader. 
it has no soul. And you would have to argue, if it has no soul, could it even be Jewish in the first place? So if it's not Jewish, you know, it, it can say these things, but it can't actually speak from the Jewish perspective. It doesn't actually believe in the tenets of Judaism. But even that is up for debate. This is so interesting. This is so interesting. There was a website called momentmag.com. They have this thing called Ask the Rabbis. And someone asked, this predated the um, chat GPT speech, the, the sermon given at the synagogue. Someone asked, can a robot be Jewish? And Rabbi Gershon Winkler said, yeah. Yeah, a robot can be Jewish. And this is the reasoning behind that. He goes, if the golem which in the Judaic tradition, the Judaic religion, is a clay humanoid creature that is fashioned by Jewish hands to protect Jewish communities. If the golem, an artificial construct, is considered Jewish, which it is, then one day a robot may also be considered Jewish. Based on that same principle, a golem is Jewish, under the right circumstances, a robot can be Jewish. And Rabbi Winkler backed up his argument by talking, taking a, a, I don't know if the term is verse, but a verse out of the Talmud, and it says, One who raises an orphan in his home, it is as if he gave birth to him. That is in the Sanhedrin 19b. So, if you adopt a kid and you raise him, and that kid is part of your family, then yes, that kid is now... Jewish. <laughs> if you have a robot, if you have a robot butler in your house, and you treat him as your own, not just a piece of property, but a piece of the family, then yeah, I mean, technically, based on that dictum from the Talmud, yeah, it's Jewish. It's a Jewish robot. It's fascinating stuff. So yeah, at what point would Chat GPT or any other sort of AI popping up? At what point, I mean, if it knows the religion, here's the thing, does it believe it? That's really the big thing. You can know everything. You can know every single fact about Islam and be an atheist. You just are super, super into it. You're into the history and the culture and the religious works, and you're like, I don't really believe in any of it. But I, I, I know, I shouldn't say everything about it, but you know, you could have an encyclopedic knowledge about Christianity or Buddhism or anything like that and not believe in it. The question would be, these chat programs, these AI programs are just going to be encyclopedic. They're going to know everything, but do they believe? We talked about the AI sermon now. Can a robot, can an AI become religious? That'll be a huge question. Because we're just getting started with this stuff. The genie is literally out of the bottle. And I think you will start to see religious AIs pop up. Let's go ahead and we're going to shift over to a courtroom. We're all standing in a courtroom now because on February 22nd, 2023, the very first AI lawyer is set to argue a case. There's an app called Do Not Pay. It was developed by a man named Joshua Browder. What happened was he was getting a ton of parking tickets and he realized that law all comes down to language. And if you can find the loopholes in things, you can get out of things. 
So he basically created an AI to crawl through like consumer contracts, like internet bills and electric bills and things like that, and minor violations, minor fines, to basically scroll through the entire database, find the loophole, and then he, it would spit out paperwork with that loophole highlighted, saying, I'm not going to pay this fine because according to SB97, da 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 on Wednesdays, you can park Kitty Corner in front of a fire hydrant because of that, and you sign it. You, it prints it out. You sign it. You send it off. You don't have to pay the parking ticket. Well, he goes, we're going to take this to the next level. Do not pay. It's going to argue its first court case. We're no longer just going to do all this paperwork stuff. The way it's set up, we have the defendant picked out everything. You bring your cell phone or tablet. I guess you could do that too. But you bring your cell phone into the courtroom and you're wearing a Bluetooth hearing aid. You can't have headphones in there. That's a, a law in most courtrooms. But they can't say you can't have hearing aids. You're deaf in the trial. They're like, what? Am I guilty? Am I not guilty? Okay, I assume I'm guilty. I'm being taken out of the courtroom. You can have a hearing aid. It's a hearing aid that's connected to the phone. And the phone is recording the trial. It's recording everything the prosecutor's saying and everything that the judge is saying, everything that's going on, and then it will tell you what to say. Because it knows all laws, according, you know, like basically, like let's say this is a minor traffic thing. It knows everything about it. So it's recording the conversation, just like ChatGPT. You can say, write me a 500 word essay on William Shakespeare eating pizza. It's recording all of this stuff and hearing the arguments. And then it says, say this fascinating right super super fascinating josh browder goes listen lawyers get paid thousands of dollars to do boilerplate paperwork and it's just you could do it if you knew what paperwork you needed if you knew what process you needed you could do it yourself let's make it available for the little man now see ai art is already out i know people are trying to make it so you can't trademark it people are trying to make it so it's looked down upon if you use it it's way too late it is now the camera people who painted paintings hated the camera they go the camera has no soul you're just putting it in a location and clicking a button and the camera people are like no we have to do this other stuff we have to mix these inks and we have to like develop it's and the camera's here to stay Obviously, right? The ghosts are using them in the first story. It is way too late to get rid of AI art. If you're a book publisher now, you're just going to use AI art for your book covers. The readers won't care. You Every so often, you'll have a protest. If I need a logo for a company, AI art. It's over. It's too late. Um, AI is going to start replacing YouTubers. I see a big movement because I watch a lot of behind the scenes YouTube stuff, a lot of behind the scenes like TikTok stuff, business stuff. And the huge movement is find a niche that's popular right now. Let's say it's reacting to prank videos, you watching someone else's prank video. And they're, they said, go download this AI program, type in your script, and a natural voice will read it. The voices are getting much, much clearer. You never appear on camera. You can put out 100 videos a day because you're just typing stuff out. So the, the YouTuber is on its way out. It's going to get replaced with automation. My job is on the line, obviously. You could replace Dead Rabbit Radio with an AI. You could have a robot. There's a thousand... There's a, right now, there's about five 600 hours of my voice. You could easily mimic my voice at this point and put out your own Dead Rabbit Radio. You could have the 
AI scroll through the internet and read ghost stories to you. And you go, Jason, but it has no soul. What, what about your humor, Jason? What about your personality? The AI can replicate all of that. And also a lot of people don't like my personality. You guys do. But a lot of people listen to the podcast and they're like, I don't like the way he presents stories. I don't like the way that he laughs. I don't like the sound of his voice. And those are fair criticisms, right? There's nothing I can change or nothing I want to change. So my job's on the chopping block. But do you think the do you think the lawyers would even come close to allowing this? And that's exactly what happened. This was supposed to be argued on February 22nd. Josh Browder put out a press release saying, "Hey, we're going to use this new app in this courtroom. I won't tell you where it's going to be at. I won't tell you what case it is. I just want to let you guys know that this is coming." And he got threatened with 6 months in jail. If he did this, this is him saying that he was contacted by the state bar, whatever state he's in. He didn't really reveal that. He was contacted by the state bar and they say, what you're proposing breaks so many rules and laws that we're going to throw you in jail for six months if you go ahead with this. So he goes, "Okay, we're just going to go back to doing consumer paperwork and minor fines and things like that, because the, the lawyers basically will not allow this in there. They understand that they're they're just as easily replaced as a man who's pressing a button and making cars in Detroit was replaced. It is all about language. That's most most law is language and then a little bit presentation if you want to do like a little razzmatazz dance for the audience. <laughs> the jury actually, but yeah, and in a sense they're the audience, right? If you can if basically if both sides are just AI and they're putting stuff forward and the judge goes, well, yeah, based on this precedent, then this defendant is, is not, does not have to pay these fines based on all these other court cases. And they are not going to let that happen. They apparently also, if you, to record, first off, it's not legal in most states to even do a third party recording of a trial. You have a stenographer and maybe if the judge allows it, you'll have like a camera crew in there, but you just can't record the trial yourself if you're in the the audience, not the jury, but the other audience, the chain, the, whatever the term is, where they're just kind of sitting around listening to the trial. And if you live in a state where you can do that, you have to get permission from every single person in the, in the in the courtroom. If you're going to do a third party recording, if it's not a stenographer or a media, like the judge says, yes, I will allow cameras in this courtroom. If I, as a defendant, want to record, I have to get permission. Maybe I don't have to get permission like you get permission from everyone, but the guy in the back, the last guy out of 100 people is like, nope. You're like, oh, man. I think it's probably just from the people doing the trial, the judge and the press. But obviously the prosecutor would say, no, I don't want you using AI. I'm not going to give you permission for that. And they closed ranks super fast. Which makes sense, right? That's what lawyers do. They know how vulnerable their job is. It is a lot of sending out paperwork. But I I said in the intro, I go, is it possible that AI is opening a portal to hell? And the rabbi giving the sermon and the AI robot, can robots be Jewish? That's an interesting look at AI. But it's not going to devastate society. Uh, robot lawyers would be a... Listen, I, I have a few lawyer friends. They're not all terrible people, but replacing lawyers with robots, that is... It's cool. It sounds cool. Not to lawyers, it doesn't. And it, you do think the, the drawback to that was eventually they go, well, why don't we just have robot judges? 
and then you remove all emotion from the courtroom. Some people say that's a good thing. They should just vote on the law, and other people say no. They should look at the totality. It's not a word, Jason. They look at the totality of the case and say... He was only eight years old when he murdered his entire family, and he sweared, if I'm out one more day, I'll murder your family too, Judge. But he's only eight, so maybe we should let him go in someone else's district. I don't want him around my kids. The, the truth is somewhere in the middle, right? But with an AI, it would be very emotionless. But would those things open a portal to hell? No. What I'm about to tell you, and we're going to wrap it up like this, is truly chilling, and I have to admit, I didn't think about it at first. I got the help of a friend who wants to remain anonymous. There's a photo going around the internet of these four beautiful blonde women wearing lingerie. You're like, what? What? This is on the internet? I've never seen such a photo. Tell me, good sir. There's a photo of women in their underwear on the internet? I'm pulling over the car right now to look this up. There's a photograph of four women wearing lingerie. Very, very sexy women. Very, very sexy lingerie. And the caption on the photo, it's a screen grab from a tweet, is basically saying women are going crazy because this photograph is completely AI generated. And they're, they're very beautiful women. Some people are debating whether or not it's AI. I, I think actually the tweet said that too. They go, is it AI? Is it real? People are still debating that. Some people are go, you can obviously tell it's AI. The hand problem has been solved. That's been a big problem with AI. Three or four hands showing up or hands with 14 fingers, things like that. The, the, generally, I think what we're going to see with AI art is the AI creates art and then an artist goes in and touches up those mistakes. But the question is, back to these four beautiful women... Is this photo real or is this photo AI? If the photo is real, then, you know, bravo genetics. But if the photo is AI and you can't tell, then this, the, the, the way I looked at it was I go, this will completely devastate basically the pornography industry overnight. You can have a pornography industry with zero sets with zero overhead. You know, it's still the images now, but eventually we'll get to where this stuff is moving around. We'll get to video. But even just images, like OnlyFans and things like that, you can completely destroy the pornography industry overnight because not only would you get rid of stuff like overhead and sets, uh, um, pornographers don't pay for the wardrobe. They make the girls buy their own clothes, which actually takes a huge chunk of their money buying their own clothes and their makeup and stuff like that. It's not a good investment to go into porn for women, but you, you'd get rid of all of that stuff. You could literally just have 15 nerds sitting in a bunker typing out commands, typing out prompts, and it's just spitting out image after image after image after image. And once AI learns to make, this, make a series of images, so basically it looks like you have the same girl in 15 different photos. That's another thing AI is having a hard time with. But again, it'll be conquered in a matter of months, if not weeks. You will have just people set up OnlyFans accounts of beautiful women. And it's me. It's me on the other side of the keyboard. And I'm pumping out 500 images an hour. And going, tee hee hee, thanks for the compliment. Like, it'll completely destroy that industry. Anyone, the barrier to entry will be, do you have a computer? 
Do you have a computer and an imagination? And that's what I thought when I saw this photo. I go, wow, this is going to completely change things, and it's too late. You'd have to buy every single version of this program and destroy them, and just more would pop up. There's nothing you can do to stop this at this point. Anyone can be the next mind geek, and actually you'd have zero overhead. You would also get rid of all the sex trafficking involved in the pornography industry. You would just disappear overnight. You would no longer have to coerce. You know, a lot of women go in it too willingly, but a lot of women don't. That would all be gone. That's what I was thinking. I was like, this could actually be a net positive. People, pornography is just part of the human condition. People have been doing it. We can look back at old artwork, you know, from like Roman times. And people are drawing genitalia on walls for sexual arousal. They're writing these dirty novels. I'm thinking this, you could replace all the negative stuff that comes with pornography with just ones and zeros. This is awesome. Well, I mentioned that to my friend and she immediately went, ugh. Like when I said, I go, hey, there's this photo. I showed her the photos, what I did. I go, hey, look at this. She's like, ugh. And I go, yeah, isn't that crazy? It's AI. I go, it could totally replace the porn industry. And she's like, stop. Just stop. Stop talking, stop talking about this, dude. And I was like, what? What is it? I didn't think about this. She goes, you will see the most dark and depraved porn appear overnight. I was like, what? She goes, if this is real if if this photo is real and this is ai she goes people will immediately make the most disgusting things you could ever think of and it's so interesting but she's right like i was a little naive i was a little naive naive about it i was like oh this will be awesome anyone can have an only fans anyone can have an army of simps nobody gets hurt no sex trafficking there's no onset Drug abuse, there's no rape throughout the pornography industry. We see that happen a lot, unfortunately, as well. No AIDS, no AIDS epidemic hitting the actors and actresses. It's just all digital. And she's like, no, Jason, that's going to be the most depraved acts of humanity. And I thought about it and I go, you're so right. You're actually right. Imagine this. This is what I talk about opening a portal to hell. On one hand... I'm imagining prompts. I'm very, I'm very vanilla in my thinking when it comes to sex. I'm imagining, I'm imagining prompts like beautiful, busty blonde in black lingerie. Thigh-high stockings. Hair's a little messed up. A little bit of bedhead. That's what I'm thinking. I would not have thought... To, and this is so true, this is exactly what would happen. You would see this, and you could argue, well, Jason, no one's getting hurt. Well, you would have people immediately be able to type in snuff porn commands into these prompts. Decapitated blonde in dark basement. You could start this AI, you know, it's grabbing information from all these photos all over the internet, so it's not just grabbing photos of trees and flowers it's not just grabbing photos of beautiful blonde women it's also grabbing photos of corpses car accident victims things like that so you could actually <laughs> jason wow this went from zero to 60 real quick you're just about to put a big heaping scoop of spaghetti in your mouth you could have this ai generate a very realistic image of a decapitated blonde 
in a basement. And it could get worse. Some of these AIs will use like base photos. Like there's a photo of yourself. Turns you into like a cartoon drawing. You could take a photo of your own basement. Let's say that you can take a photo of your own basement or just put in prompts that will make it look similar to your basement. And it's not a decapitated blonde. It's you specifically want her decapitated in a certain way. Like say from the jaw up. And you could play with these prompts and you can make it as graphic as you wanted to. You could even put in prompts like, say you don't think her eyes look terrified enough at the thought of her brain being removed from the rest of her body. The look in her eyes isn't conveying the true look of fear you want. So you could keep typing in prompts to make the picture look more and more terrified until finally you have just the image you want. And then, because there's always a and then, what's to stop you from modeling this AI woman not on some generic term like blonde bombshell, but a girl down the street, your crush in high school, the barista at the local Starbucks. You will be able to build snuff porn I know that's the farthest extreme, right? You're like, Jason, listen, there's a big difference between girls and lingerie and stuff. But yeah, that's the thing. You could be anywhere in the middle there. You're basically building porn. How disgusting it is is basically on a scale. But based on someone, they, they have very little interaction with you. They're the ones who hand you the coffee at the Starbucks. And you go home and you type in a bunch of prompts till you get an image who looks just like her. Or eventually, you know, you're feeding images off of her Instagram page into this program so you can get it to look exactly like her. And then you can do all sorts of horrendous things. And these are just images. When it becomes a video, we, who knows what's going to happen. But what I think is even worse than all of that, because it always gets worse, and we will truly wrap it up like this, is... Remember, the AI is crawling all over the internet looking for images. Imagine if you could, imagine if you could, <laughs> you probably don't want to, but imagine if you had AI putting out the darkest, sickest, most vile images you could ever possibly imagine. Ever imagine. That AI program is not creating that out of thin air, it's taking inspiration from other decapitation videos, from other torture videos, from other car crashes, from other child porn videos, from other rape videos, all of this stuff. It's taking pieces of inspiration from them. It may actually be taking an image of each of these videos and using it to create this new piece of infernal filth on this unlimited canvas. It's finding the grossest, most horrific things humans have ever done to other people. And it's spitting out these images every minute, every second, depending on the amount of people who are looking for this stuff. If I gave you a box, if I came to your house and I gave you a box, it's a totally normal box, except <laughs> it's totally normal, except for the fact that it's made out of baby bones. You go, Jason, what in the world is this? And I go, this box is made out of baby bones. But they're not the actual bones from a baby. What I did, what I did, on, this is my Etsy store, is I dug up babies from a cemetery, real babies, 
made casts of their bones and then built this box out of the casts of actual baby bones. Would you keep that in your house? I mean, I got a warehouse full of them. You want to help me unload them? Would you keep that in your house? And on one hand, it's not the actual bones of a baby, but it was made out of the images, the representation, the handling of real life bone. I wasn't just looking at pictures of baby bones. I got my hands dirty on this one, but it wasn't the actual baby bones. It was replicas of actual baby bones that I handled myself and made the cast of. And then would you want that box in your house? This is a rhetorical question. Please don't order these from me. I don't actually own them. That's the way I think of how AI art, at least some of it, is headed. To create that artificially generated picture. And it's 100% realistic looking, right? It's not a drawing. It's an image that, as technology progresses, would be indistinguishable from the real thing. But this image is fake. The person in this in this image has never been hurt in this way. They've never existed. But every little pixel in this image was pulled from a real-life image of a real human experiencing real suffering. In a way, I would argue that the AI picture is worse because it's combining 10,000 screens it's combining 10,000 hurts and agonies all flooding together into one single image. Imagine if you had an image inspired by 10,000 maniacs. <laughs> Not the band. 10,000 actual maniacs making 10,000 different images with 10,000 different victims over a period of years. You have all these different horrible things happening and you have them all brought together as one single image. I think there's only one way to describe something like that. It's a portal to hell. It's a portal to madness. It's a portal to losing whatever humanity you had left. If you're actually looking for this stuff in the first place and now you're creating it yourself using an AI program, I think that at that point you would cross that barrier from man to inhuman. Because you're not just reveling in the suffering of one child in this one photo, you're reveling in the suffering of 10,000 separate children across time. I did not think, uh, you know, we think maybe Terminator, <laughs> maybe at the very least, nuclear apocalypse across the globe as as T-800s are stomping us out looking for us, that's what, you know, that'd be my worst case scenario for AI. And then when you sit and you think about how bad it could be, and you think about stuff like this, and how AI will inevitably be used to spread so much harm, I think the good will outweigh it. But, I mean, just think about where, where this is going to take us. I don't really know if it's a place that I want to be. I think we may very quickly find ourselves living in a very sick world. A lot of people don't have fetishes until they've been exposed to them. We may someday soon be sitting in a world that has truly gone insane. The darkest aspects of humanity on display for everyone to see and 
it's just dark. And we will wistfully remember the good old days when the worst thing we could imagine was robots nuking the planet and picking off the last of humanity one by one. We thought that was the worst that could happen. We were wrong. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great night.